Hello, and welcome to the Zircona Growth Insights Podcast, bringing clarity to the complexities of consumer behavior. Episodes feature industry experts, partners, and guests across the 26 industries we track, representing nearly $4 trillion in global consumer spending. Our goal is to give you transformative insights and the most complete view of consumer and market opportunities. Hello, and welcome to Zircona's Growth Insights Podcast. I'm your host, Joan Driggs. Today, I'm joined by Patty Altman and Michelle Bennett, Executive Vice Presidents of Consumer and Shopper Insights here at Circana. Both are leaders of Circana's Omni Consumer Receipt Panel, which drives Complete Wallet, which we're going to talk about today. Um, Complete Wallet provides the most complete view of how consumers spend, delivering insights into everything from media and work to how we handle inflation and identifies lifestyle shifts that are happening in real time. This is probably the best example of the two companies coming together, IRI and NPD, and it's culminating in this powerful, complete wallet. So first, I wanna welcome you both to Growth Insights because this is your first time on the podcast. We're excited to be here. (laughs) Patty, I'm gonna start with you. Give us the scope and breadth and depth of complete wallet. Happy to do so. Um, and and Joan, I just loved how you framed to the power of our two companies coming together to form Circana. And I think probably the greatest example we're seeing where the power of those two companies are developing something amazing and, and game changing, and that's Incomplete Wallet. So what Complete Wallet does is exactly what it says. I mean, the name was chosen for a specific reason because it very simplistically says what, what we're doing. We are measuring and reporting and allowing or giving clients a way to activate everywhere our consumer shops. So what that means is you're not looking through a narrow CPG world or a narrow GM world or a narrow food service world anymore. You're looking at everything combined. And we all know decisions that clients make or consumers make are all based upon their total spend, not just based upon what am I going to do today in a specific category. So let's just talk about the breadth. Um, Again, 20 industries. What does that mean? We're able to report across all of the classic uh, CPG industries, um, you know, whether it's carbonated beverages, um, vitamins, et cetera. Plus, we're also covering general merchandise. So things like technology, um, auto, are you buying windshield wiper blades, um, you know, entertainment, uh, toys, soft lines, which is things like, you know, whether or not you're buying T-shirts or or athletic footwear, um, as well as food service. And we have an incredible food service offer, too. So you can understand quick service versus um, versus, um, you know, fast food versus, you know, how many different menus you want to look at. There's a whole host of things we can do. We can then drill that down to over 1,200 categories. So again, you want to go deeper. If we're talking about consumer technology, you can look at consumer uh, like wireless routers, et cetera. When it's at its full iteration, Complete Wallet will also provide branding and attribute level information as well. But we don't stop there, right? Because it's also important to understand the channels. Uh, we report on, or Complete Wallet will report on over 30 channels. And again, if you think about the, the variety of categories that I just spoke about, it's important to make sure that we're also, in addition to um, Aldi's, we're also reporting on AutoZone. In addition to Kroger's, we're also able to report on Dick's Sporting Good. All of these things from a total channel level over 30 into individual retailers as well. So you can see just from the, the few details that I shared now, it is a game changer for our clients, manufacturers and retailers, because they're gonna be able to view the holistic consumer, where they shop, when they shop and how they shop. And that is a lot to wrap your arms around. I mean, think about that. You can look at how we're spending, 
how we're behaving, but it really does seem overwhelming. So Michelle, I want to turn to you and kind of figure out how do you drill in and decide what these insights are going to unlock? Yeah. So a couple things, you know, typically when I'm working with clients, especially a CPG client, um, we look at a very narrow window of spending. We might look at, you know, retail food and beverage, um, or start to layer in things like um, non-edibles like home care or health care or mass beauty. Um, but that's just a small proportion of the total spend. For example, food and beverage is less than $3,000 of annual spend. And then when you add in the home health beauty, it's only 4,000. But if you start to layer in the out-of-home consumption, the on-premise dining, general merchandise like fashion, auto, technology, you're looking at over 10,000 per person. And so we know today with inflation um, that consumers are making trade-offs. And if you want to defend your position, much less grow your brand, you really need to understand those trade-offs. And they're they're different, right? They're different by by different buyer segments, by different cohorts. So we're seeing it vary, you know, based on the, your generation, your life stage, of course, income, even ethnicity. So by understanding your consumers and what their priorities are, you can defend your position and grow your business. I'll give you an example. Um, so defending your position, you have to understand priorities. Think about, um, think about the guy, picture this guy who goes in the morning to um, the convenience store or the gas station to get their morning cup of coffee, right? How much do you think this person spends in a year at Starbucks? What percent of their spending? And, and Patty already knows the answer to this. So any, any thoughts on that, Joan? A hundred bucks. Yeah, it is. So if you do it percentage wise, a lot of people will guess, you know, like five or 10% of their spending goes to Starbucks, but it's actually 45%, right? Almost half of their spending goes to Starbucks, but it's about priorities, right? Okay. So but just to person, clarify, that's my 45% on coffee. Yeah. On, okay. Yeah. 45% of their coffee spend is spent at Starbucks. And this is the convenience store coffee buyer. And the reason is trade-offs for this person, right? They're not buying coffee in the morning. They're buying coffee at lunch because they are craving a sweet pick-me-up, right? Like a treat in the middle of the day. Um, it's the lunch occasion. And they're not just buying regular coffee, which is what they buy in the morning. They're buying things like the caramel ribbon frappuccino crunch. And their, and their purchase ring is huge. It's $13, over $13. So really it's about understanding this consumer at a granular level in terms of day part and menu items so that you can cater to them. That is unbelievable. You know, it's interesting because I've had conversations with David Portalot and the Brown Food Service and the return of that morning day part thinking, oh, people might still brew coffee at home, but now they're going and they're having that cup of coffee maybe during their commute or after they drop the kids off. And you're layering in something completely different that I hadn't even considered about, you know, because it's, again, it's not part of that date part, but you're looking at the bigger, broader picture and the consumer in their head might not even compare that quick cup of coffee in the morning to the fancy coffee with a $13 price tag um, that you're just describing to me. So that is incredible for any manufacturer, any retailer, any food service outlet to have that full picture. 
You know, it's really interesting too. And Joan, we could take that a step further. So we can absolutely understand purchasing patterns within exactly what Michelle just spoke about into granularity levels you would never expect. But another uh, one of the offers with Complete Wallets, we can then survey those people too. So we can then go back and find out what attitudes or behaviors uh, wouldn't necessarily show up just in purchasing patterns, but did you go there because it was a treat for yourself? Did you go there because it's less expensive and you like to be able to ever occasionally sneak away for something that's just for you? There's a whole host of things that we can do in addition to just examining the purchase behavior and patterns too. So I think that that makes me want to like jump around a little bit because now I want to know what are some of those pieces of this puzzle? I mean, you've just mentioned that not only can we observe this behavior because of receipts or our partnerships, but now we can go back and get the full picture from the consumer who actually made that purchase. So what are some of the moving parts here? What are some of the elements that make this so rich? Well, there's a couple of things. And again, you know, I am so proud of being part of Circana and, and how we have brought the best of both worlds together. So not only is it just all the different techniques that we can do that Michelle has described or the survey or the fact that we can create segmentations, there's a whole host of things we can do with the the, the complete wallet. It's also how we do it that I'm particularly proud of. Um, so again, at the end of the day, the data is only as good as the quality of, of who your panelists are and where you're recruiting from. Uh, one of the very first things we did when we came together as an organization is that we revamped our um, our, uh, our our data collection methodology. We have a new app that we've just designed and has deployed, which is built to do not only create a great panel, but also be built for the future. So there's going to be a point in time where we're going to actually be able to ask people in the moment, you went in and you bought that Frappuccino and we know that you, you, you submitted that receipt. We're going to be able to do in the moment and understand exactly, well, why did you purchase that at that time? Um, in addition to, we have classifying some of these items are not easy. I will tell you, being in the GM space for many years, classification of uh, men's underwear or t-shirts, it is really tough. The dictionaries that we have both on a CPG side and a general merchandise, merchandise size, plus the history we have with Crest and Net, allows us to really be able to classify in the best way possible, in the most meaning way, meaningful way possible, what and how where where these particular products should be should be aligned to, which is is really important. And I can go on. There's a whole host of different things that we're doing um, that aren't always overtly obvious when you're looking at the data, but are really important because it's the underpinnings of what makes a really great panel. I do want to just pause there for a minute, Patty, and have you elaborate a little bit on some of the things you mentioned because not everyone is familiar with Net um, National Eating Patterns, right, or Crest. So can you tell us a little bit about that because these are, again, some of those rich data sets that are coming together for the first time ever that kind of, to Michelle's point, open up so many more opportunities. So give us a little bit more background there. So the power of working with Circana is the fact that we have so many rich data sets and we deliver it in Unify or Unify Plus in a way where you can seamlessly go from one piece of data set to another to tell your complete story. Again, our emphasis as an organization is all about the completes. You don't have to see that there's a hole here. I'm not quite sure how to fill that piece of knowledge. It's all there. So when I spoke about, you know, net and crest and food service, quite honestly, it's one of the more difficult areas in order to, because it just operates differently from CPG. It operates differently from general merchandise. 
you know, the fact that we have over 550 chains, we have over 150 coded, um, uh, coded to category level, we have 28 menus uh, coded. All of that's because of the knowledge we have from the National Eating Trends, uh, as well as from Crest. Both of these are data sources that are consumer driven, that either allow us to understand consu consumption behaviors and when and how people are eating or actual, you know, volu volumetrically what's happening as well. All those data sets help inform um, Complete Wallet and make Complete Wallet by far a superior product, particularly for uh, for the food service industry. The thing I find powerful about bringing these data sets together are, you know, an insight is only as good as the action you take on it, mm -hmm. right? So like Patty talked about bringing them all together and unify, you can move from an insight on a specific buyer group that's exhibiting a behavior, and then you can move straight to activation to understand, you know, where are they allocating their spend in the trade area, which um, retailers or operators do I want to partner with on a program or shopper marketing, all the way to um, fielding a digital audience. Audience, right. Imagine you can get to this coffee buyer who has regular coffee in the morning and a frappuccino in the afternoon. You could send a digital ad to them to um, talk about your ready to drink frappuccino at the at a retailer. So there's you know there's so much action that you can take on it um, to take it beyond just an insight. And the one thing I don't want to lose sight as well is we are also collecting e-com. And I know we've talked a lot about behavior that happens at a specific at-a-home restaurant and how that translates to other things, but we're collecting everywhere. So whether it's an Amazon purchase, whether it is a, a Rothy's.com, whatever it is, we are we are purchasing data. We're collecting data from everywhere a, cons a, cl a consumer can purchase. So there's a couple, obviously my my mind is kind of going blowing up here a little bit. But there's so many avenues that I want to take this. So let's say, like Michelle, you started with talking about a consumer and the coffee occasion. But what about that consumer like throughout the day? Do I want to focus on the consumer or do I want to focus on other things that might go with those coffee occasions? Like, tell me some of the different kind of ways that I can be thinking about this and, and helping me wrap my arms around it. This is exactly, you know, one of the ways that you can use this data set to drive growth for your brand, right? So um, one example is just like you said, extending into adjacent industries. So by understanding everything that they're buying, you know where you have a right to win. I'll give you an example of extending your brand equity, right? So Nike was looking to do a partnership and you can imagine all of the companies that would want to partner with Nike. Um, another quiz for you, Joan. Um we have this list of suspects, right? Okay. Who would you imagine would would partner with Nike? Peloton, Star Wars, Fruity Pebbles, Fenty Beauty, or Disney Princesses? Wow. I can pick a couple. I would say Peloton for sure. Easy fix there. And maybe Disney Princesses. Right? You could picture that. <laughs> the partnership was with Fruity Pebbles because there was a really high index. We lost, looked across the top 20 shoe brands among heavy Fruity Pebbles buyers and Nike really, really indexed high, right? There's a very high cross purchase between the two products. So they did a Fruity Pebbles tennis shoe, which looks awesome, by the way. And so you can imagine you're putting your shoes on in the morning and you're thinking about Fruity Pebbles, like, hmm, I'm kind of hungry. Or you walk around all morning and people, other people look at your shoes and think about Fruity Pebbles. So it's a good, fun example of extending your brand where you have a right to win. That is 
crazy and unexpected and so fun. I mean, that is really fun. What a cool thing to like just ideate around, you know, where you, where you bring out some of these insights. So let's dig into some of those um, different opportunities, maybe more grounded in our real world. Here's where we are right now. So right now we're in this period of high inflation and I'd like to learn more about trade-offs and how I can be that supportive brand or supportive retailer for these cash strapped consumers. So give me a little bit of insight there. How can this open up some um, opportunities? Absolutely. And that's really what this was built for. So um, just think we're all consumers, right? So put ourselves in our consumer hat on. We're all dealing with inflation. We're all dealing with the onslaught of social media influences, um, layoffs, a whole variety of things are, are coming at and, 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 and hitting the consumer. Michelle had noted earlier that it's just about less than $11,000 of spend that happens across the, the CPG, general merchandise and food service world. Well, today, how you may choose to spend those dollars is very different than you know, during the pandemic or pre-pandemic or or, or post. Um, so what a real life example of this is, is we know from uh, from viewing the, the insights from complete data that there are must-haves and there's nice-to-haves. So really, when consumers are making their choice, in-home and beverage is a must-have. Believe it or not, at-home dining is still a must-have as well. And so is pet care. But where we're seeing things declining, it's no surprise, too, because a lot of these things were sort of... Um, categories where people really embraced when they were sheltering at home. Things like home care, home improvement, home decor. I'm sure everyone who's listening to this podcast has, you know, has invested in redoing a room uh, when there was a shelter in place. Technology, everybody was buying uh, items to be able to work from home. And liquor, liquor sales were high, um, you know, prior. What we've seen is a shift from those kind of nice to have, those things that met the moment at that time, to now must-haves. And again, people are making choices of where to spend that almost $11,000 per year. What's interesting though, is those trade-offs are different based upon who you're looking at. And again, the beauty of this data is we're able to take a look at you know, how the, the Gen Z consumer has made these trade-offs versus the, the millennial consumer, how the upper income, upper income consumer has made their choices versus those who are maybe uh, you know, in a lower income um, uh, space. And what we've seen, and just a really neat example, is um, millennials. They are back to work, and they're back in the office whether they want to be or not. And as a result, we've seen a trade-off. They're spending more on tobacco and e-cigarettes, on convenience, on drug. Likely, you know, those times where they're stopping either before they're on their way to work or for a quick snack or for a smoke break, where we're seeing less spending, again, or some of those, uh, you know, technology, again, no longer working from home, home textiles, no longer making your workspace look beautiful because you're working from home, office and electronics. So really, it's neat to see those real trade-offs happening. And again, with all these economic conditions and factors continuing to influence and pressure the, the consumer, we can just continuously refresh this and take a look and see how those trends continue to shift and those trade-offs continue to shift over time. It is real time shifting. It's fascinating. Yeah. Just think about it. You know, even what you mentioned about home decor and it's, you know, for so many people that has been seasonal, like quick updates yeah. because we were always in our home and now it's like, maybe it's not so important anymore. I think that's, that's brilliant. And I have to say, I wish this app had been around when I was starting to build my own budget 
And I'm think I'm almost envisioning this could be a consumer tool, mm. you know, eventually, because as you mentioned, it's it's something that we're building for the future. You're not looking at just what an app can do today. It's like what this app will be capable of doing in the future. And man, I could see how consumers would be like checking out their their own spend in real time and just absolutely fascinating. So as we wrap up, is there any other like critical piece of this? And I'm, I'm, I'm sure that this is the first of many conversations because we're just rolling this out and, and it's going to continue to build and build. But is there anything critical that we want to include right now in this very first conversation about Complete Wallet? Only other thing I would add is that, you know, also using this data set to find pockets of growth, right? So, um, you know, we mentioned the example with the Nike and Fruity Pebbles, but think about extending usage for your brand. Um, something like the top beauty brands, right? Those are the ones that have been able to cross over from prestige to mass merch or vice versa, like um, Benefit Brand Beauty and uh, La Roche-Posay. Or think about food, right? Brands like Cinnabon and Chick-fil-A that have been able to successfully move into grocery stores or going the other direction where food trends, they tend to start on-premise before moving into grocery like Boba, Bonsai, um, ramen dishes, or the reverse where um, things like Doritos moving into Taco Bell with the Locos Tacos, things like that. Or even just understanding and winning in the occasion and partnering with retailers. So, you know, we took a look at Super Bowl, right? Biggest week of the year for televisions, refrigerated chicken, and restaurant chicken wings, right? So if you can understand moments like this that are really important, not just to the consumer, but to the retailer, you can make it easy for consumers to shop and be the brand of choice in these occasions. So interesting. Um, this is gonna be fun to watch, truly, truly. So I just wanna recap a couple of the things that I heard from you today. So Complete Wallet covers 20 industries, including CPG, general merchandise, entertainment, soft lines, food service, and then drills into 1,200 categories across 30 channels. And, you know, here I come from a world of like Mulo plus C and e-commerce, and it's like now we're 30 channels. Um, this tool is amazing for things as simple as defending your position and where you already play. But Michelle, to your point, finding those adjacencies, finding new pockets of growth, um, new partnerships. There is amazing technology and tools behind this tool that are only going to grow more. Um, I'm so curious about that app. We're gonna have to dig in and learn a little bit more of that, about that. Um, and I'm fascinated by the, by the methodology and the panel that we're building, because ultimately at the end of the day, this is consumers and receipts and stuff that are feeding all of this information and really helping us dig down for some interesting nuggets. So with that, I wanna thank you both for your time and can't wait to learn more. Thanks, Thanks Joe. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the Zirconic Growth Insights podcast so you don't miss an episode. And let us know what you'd like us to cover. We'll serve it up in a future episode. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to review Zircona Growth Insights. Want to learn more? Visit us at zircona.com and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.